You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going around the Chicago Bears roster and giving a brief injury update as we dive into our weekly mailbag. Welcome into the Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I cover the Chicago Bears for Bears Wire. I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis, and today we are taking your questions from the Lockdown Bears voicemail, from the text line, and from Twitter to answer any and everything you're wondering heading into the Green Bay Packers matchup. We'll discuss a few Bears who have been playing well as of late, a few who have been struggling as of late, and some of the impacts that could have on Sunday's game. But we start, as we so often do, with one Mitchell Trubisky, such a focal point of this Chicago Bears season, and really this current era of Chicago Bears football. And we got a voicemail in from one of our listeners, checking in on his development and what it may mean moving forward. Hey, Lauren, it's all from Chicago. I'm calling to see what you think about the improvement of Mitchell Trubisky. He's getting better every single game since his injury. Do you think by the end of the season he could be the Trubisky we were hoping for starting in last week's offseason? Thanks. Well, I appreciate you calling in with the question, and it's sort of a good jumping-off point. There's no question Mitchell Trubisky has played well over this recent stretch of games, you know, beating the Lions twice and then the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys in there as well and being able to do some things that we haven't seen from him more consistently earlier in his career. But it's really hard to sit here and say that all of a sudden Trubisky is different or changed and progress is good, but the question becomes... Will that progress truly be sustainable? Is it going to last? Or is this more of a temporary positive time that won't really become the new normal? Because you think about with every quarterback, every quarterback goes through ups and downs, but there's generally sort of a middle ground of how good that quarterback is. And every quarterback will have some bad games and every quarterback will have some very good games. And it seems like for Mitchell Trubisky, as of late, we've been seeing his very good games. But there's not a lot to necessarily suggest that these very good games are that normal new baseline level for Trubisky. That these these sort of seem to fall more under the category of the very best that we've seen from Mitchell Trubisky. But that doesn't mean it's going to be what we're always able to see from Trubisky. And that in the long run, based on what we've seen now for three seasons of his career, we sort of know what the normal is for Trubisky, and it's more like the quarterback that we've seen through the majority of this season. There were certainly stretches of this year where he was playing far below that normal level of Trubisky, but, you know, think back to the quarterback that we had last year as well, and the quarterback that we've seen, you know, generally speaking, over the grand scheme of his 30-plus games in the NFL, there's a certain level of quarterback that Trubisky has been more often than not, and it's below what we've seen from these last few games, And generally speaking, that's what he is as a quarterback at this point. And it's easy to get excited about a high level of play like this, and it's coming at the perfect time for a Bears team that's trying to hold on to any and all playoff hopes in a fairly difficult stretch of their schedule here to close things out. But I think we should be very cautious about 
really believing that this high level of quarterback play is the true Mitchell Trubisky because we've seen this with a lot of other quarterbacks and particularly young quarterbacks right around this part of their career in recent history. Look across the NFL, some guys who had some big stretches and, and then were invested in by teams and didn't really end up panning out as a result. I think the the really big name one that gets mentioned with Trubisky all the time is Blake Bortles, but it goes far beyond Blake Bortles. Think about Nick Foles and sort of the, the different times that teams have been really invested in him, and then he kind of flames out, and then he comes back to the Eagles and has a really big stretch into the Super Bowl, and the Jaguars invest in him, and it's looking to be a, a total dud over there because they were paying for the guy that they were seeing at his absolute best, but you just don't get a quarterback at his absolute best all that often, and it usually is a pretty remarkable set of circumstances for a quarterback to be able to play at such a high level. But even, you know, Case Keenum, there was a time when the Vikings kind of thought he was going to be the answer at quarterback, and many teams have sort of invested in him in ways that they think, you know, it started with Houston early on, and then he went to the Rams and started games there, and then the Vikings, and then the Broncos thought he could be their guy, and it really wasn't for them either, and now in Washington, he kind of had his downs again, and, and even though he'll put together stretches of great quarterback play, he's just not consistently a great quarterback. Even Marcus Mariota and the Titans, you know, they kept holding on for a long time because he would put together some stretches, but it just hasn't been uh, who they are as quarterbacks. And Mitchell Trubisky really fits the mold that all those guys and other quarterbacks before them have fit where, you know, you see game after game of him not playing at a super high level, but then you get those stretches of really great play that you think maybe this could be it. But we've been through this before with Trubisky. We've seen it go through with other quarterbacks. There's there's going to be these highs and there's going to be these lows. But ultimately, the quarterback that Trubisky is, is the quarterback that we've already seen and not the quarterback that we're yet going to see. He's not going to become something different than he is right now. He's just it's too far at this point into his football career and his NFL career. This is not a 20-year-old quarterback that's still trying to figure out who they are. I think Mitchell Trubisky is, generally speaking, who he's going to be. He can still get incrementally better. I mean, he's not going to be, he hasn't reached his ceiling by any means, but he's not about to take some giant leap to another tier of quarterback. For the most part, we know where he is and where he's going to end up. And I think you can't get too caught up in what we've seen at the end of this season. And I think over time, especially into next year, that'll bear itself out more and more, hopefully before the Bears make any long-term decisions. In the short term, it's given the Bears a little bit of that extra performance boost that they've been waiting for all season and kind of getting some of their confidence back from where they used to be. If you find yourself feeling like you need something similar, then you may want to check out our friends at Blue Chew. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Right now, we've got a special deal for Locked On Bears listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. 
You just have to cover shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And you know, between football season, NBA, and now college basketball season in full swing, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. Right now, the Chicago Bears are four-point underdogs on the road this week against the Green Bay Packers, with the money line set at Bears plus 175, and the point total set at over under 41 points. If you like those odds, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. As we continue our weekly mailbag podcast, let's turn our attention to a few individual players on both sides of the roster. How about another voicemail? Hey, Lawrence. Uh, Mike from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on two players that I just feel like are just absolutely falling from grace this year from last year. Uh, we're always talking about Trubisky regression, and uh, that was obvious. But uh, the one guy on the offensive side I wanted to get your thoughts on was Charles Leno. I just don't understand. I can't wrap my head around the fact that this guy was in the Pro Bowl last year, and he actually had a pretty decent year. And I know he's always been a head case when it comes to penalties, but the two things you could always count on was, I mean, he knew his blocking assignments were, and he could physically hold up uh, to these guys. And this year it's just been a mystery to me because, I mean, the penalties I expect, but the fact you watch any game this year, and, I mean, the guy's getting bull rushed back into Mr. Bisky's lap every single game. Um, and this year now, I think it was last week or the week before last, he got blown up by another safety, just like the one in Denver, got put right on his butt by a guy who weighs almost 100 pounds less than he does. Um, and then... You know, you saw the play last week where Nagy blew up on the sidelines where uh, Leno just lets his guy go uh, in a pitch out to Patterson and blocks nothing but air. There's nobody to block there. So I don't know. I just don't can't figure out what's going on with this guy, especially physically. I mean, he's getting ran over. I mean, he just doesn't even look like he did a, a weight room program this offseason or something. Um, and then on the defensive side, the guy that totally disappeared in my eyes is Bilal Nichols. I mean, he had a a really good rookie season, and people were talking about this guy, and, oh, man, he's looking good. He's like a poor man's Aaron Donald, but, you know, physically just a, a really good-looking player. And I thought when Akeem Hicks went down, like, he would get more playing time, but he's been so bad this year that the the journeymen have come in and beat him out uh, of playing time. And I had to look and make sure he wasn't on IR because I haven't heard his name a single time this year. He hadn't recorded a sack. He he hadn't done any splash plays like he did last year, so I just wonder if you had heard anything and maybe uh, get your thoughts on what happened to those guys. Appreciate it. Looking forward to hearing the podcast. Mike, I got to say, I do always enjoy your accent when your voicemails come in, so I appreciate you calling and, and sharing that with us on your voice and not just like a text message question because it really does, I think, 
add a nice little flavor to the podcast. And we'll, we'll split up Charles Leno and Bilal Nichols separately here. Let's, let's start with Leno at left tackle because I agree with you. It, it's felt like it hasn't nearly been as consistent on that side of the ball. But I do think it's been a little bit more like it's been sort of some ups and downs and it we're back on a down as of late but I think you know he started off the season a little rough and then I think he got into a stretch there where it was much quieter and and we felt pretty good about it and we were his name wasn't really coming up a lot and there wasn't a lot of a lot of penetration from that side and then in the last three games it started to go back downhill a little bit so I think it, some of that is just generally ebbs and flows but overall he has been I think worse this season than the last couple of years and that's a concern but it's not like it's been necessarily worlds worse in terms of pass protection. Like, I look, he's only allowed four sacks this season, but three of them have been in the last three weeks. So that sort of speaks to sort of some of the recent struggles. But overall, he's at 31 pressures uh, across all of the games this season. And when you break it down to like a per snap rate, he's allowing pressure on like five and a half percent of his snaps, which is a little bit higher than last year and the year before. But uh, back in like 2016, that that's kind of back around the same rate of pressure. He's kind of hovered in this three to five percent range in terms of pressure allowed at left tackle, which is pretty darn solid among left tackles. But it's it's definitely been on the worse end this year. The penalties, like you said, some of that is to be expected. He's had problems with those kind of throughout his career, but pass protection has been slightly worse, and, and his run blocking has been particularly bad. I think that's an area that he's not getting enough criticism for, is how often plays are kind of being broken down from the edges, even when they're running on the interior. That's where the penetration is coming from so often, and where running backs are trying to have to adjust on the fly and, and maybe not even see that coming because they're trying to get downhill and hit you know some of the interior gaps so it's been disappointing from him and I don't have a great explanation as to why but I, I think you're on to something with maybe not being quite as athletically and I don't know I don't know if it's a strength thing but or if it's a technique thing where he's just not being able to utilize his strength quite as well but it, it doesn't quite look right I'll, I'll give you that there's something that just seems a tiny bit off, and I, it's hard to really point to what it is specifically. But he hasn't been as good as he needed to be. He's been he's been okay, and when you have him be, you know, your long term left tackle, you you would like to get a little bit better. Then with Bilal Nichols, I think this is a little bit more of a case of a second year player kind of hitting that wall a little bit in terms of other teams figuring him out more. That it seemed like in his rookie season. He kind of had a, a go-to swim move that he would hit pretty regularly, and it was effective, and it was a big led to a lot of the big plays that he had and a big part of his success. But I think opposing offensive linemen that really study their tape have kind of figured some of that out, and it's on Bilal to be able to work in a few more counters and be able to win more consistently in other ways, and I just don't think he's really developed that yet up to this point. I'd also put some blame, if you will, on Akeem Hicks not being there and not taking so much of the attention that all, all of the defensive linemen aren't as good without Akeem Hicks on the field. And I think that's a factor in there, but it's not the main reason. I, I do think this is part of the development process for a young defensive lineman, really being able to take that next step. You know, it's the difference between being a journeyman guy or being a guy who can be an every down starter. And I think that's what we've been kind of waiting for from Bilal Nichols and Roy Robertson Harris. And before that, Jonathan Bullard. And We've seen a little bit more from Roy Robertson-Harris, but it hasn't quite been 
exactly as consistent as you want. And it's sort of a race between all those guys to kind of figure out who can really develop that more well-rounded game first. And, you know, there's a couple other younger players on the defense that we haven't been able to talk much about this season. But we got another question that'll turn our attention that way coming up next on Locked On Bears. Haha Clinton Dix has obviously been in the spotlight this week with his return to Green Bay to play his former team. But there's a couple other players in the secondary here that may end up playing even bigger roles, especially with the latest updates on the injury report, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But a voicemail from Darius from Dallas turns our attention to a younger guy who we didn't get much of a chance to talk about this week. Hey, Lauren, what's going on, buddy? Um, glad to be back, have you back on your regular schedule. Um, I, I just wanted to see what was your thoughts on uh, Kevin Tolliver, one. Well, first, let me take that back. First of all, I just wanted to boost one of the unsung heroes in that secondary, uh, Buster Screen, because I don't see that guy get beat a lot. I just don't. I, I never see too many big plays happen where it's like, damn it, uh, Buster Screen. No. Always around the ball. He's always, you know, where he's supposed to be. And we don't really ever have to worry about him not being in position. He's not a guy that we have to talk about on a weekly basis. And when you're talking about the secondary, a lot of teams don't have good secondary. So I just wanted to boost him. Because uh, many times that I've seen Prince of Mucamora get beat deep, it's like, oh, my God, dude. Um, but I really wanted to talk about Kevin Tolliver. And I wanted to see what, what was your thoughts on him. I know he, he was going against Amari Cooper. And that was really the only guy that beat him a couple times. But, I mean, that's Amari Cooper. Um, I felt like the moment, even though he, he – ended up getting beat a few times. I felt like the moment wasn't too big for him. Like, I, he wasn't a deer in the headlights like uh, Riley Ridley was. I felt like he, he like he was made for that. Like, do we have a starting a potential starting corner on our hands after Prince of Mucamora goes? Like, what are your thoughts on the potential of this kid? Because he's got, the, he's got the, uh, the size. I think he's got everything that he needs as far as confidence. The most important part about the cornerback position is confidence. And how can you be more confident than going against Amari Cooper and yeah, he beat him a couple times, but I still felt like he played great coverage for the most part. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are on that, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate you calling in, Darius. And I'm going to disagree with you on Prince of Mukamara there because I think he's he certainly played poorly in the last stretch of games. But I thought for the most part this season, he's been doing fine. He hasn't been quite as good as he was last year, but I think... Last year was a little bit better than what Prince of Mukamara had been for the majority of his career, and this year has been sort of him returning more so to what he has been. Like, his game against the Lions I, was his worst game of the season, in my opinion, but I wonder how much this hamstring injury was affecting him in that game, but he was getting beat far too easily in that one. But prior to that game, he had given up three catches that went for 20 or more yards all season. A lot of it has been... Sort of the short stuff, some intermediate stuff here and there, but not much really going too far past the sticks. He's been wrapping up, tackling pretty consistently, and it's, you know, he, he's done enough. He's done his job. He's never going to be a big-time playmaker in the secondary. And so I think, for the most part, I, I'm willing to concede some struggles from him, but I think he's been better than you might be giving him credit for there. Whereas, on, on the other side, I haven't been as big of a fan of Buster Screen, and he too has had some of the struggles recently, but I look back over his games and I see, you know, a 20-yard catch, a 22, a 50, a 23, and, you know, some some intermediate plays. Again, not a lot of, like, 
the big-time explosive downfield stuff, but some opportunities there for opposing quarterbacks. They haven't been going at him a ton, but there's there's yards there. It's not an easy completion every time, but it's just it's it's fine. It's it's average slot cornerback play, and, and the Bears have been able to survive with that and, and get on fine. And it's it is what it is. It's 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 workable. You know, not no big plays on the ball necessarily, but not any huge gaff busted coverage touchdowns. Maybe a few more broken or missed tackles than you'd like to see, but other than that, Buster Screen has been fine. But the real question in there was about Kevin Tolliver. And you're right that he he did have some struggles against Amari Cooper. And it wasn't as though the Cowboys were just constantly going after Kevin Tolliver and eating him alive up and down the field. But versus Cooper, it was four targets for four catches, 50 yards. Three of them went for first downs, including one touchdown. He did have the pass breakup against Tavon Austin on the, I think it was a little underneath route. It wasn't anything too crazy. But Cooper, one of the better route runners in the NFL, you shouldn't be surprised that Tolliver might have some trouble with him. But with Prince of Mukamara practicing this week, it sounds like we may have seen the last of Kevin Tolliver for, for this season unless any other injuries happen. And at this point, it's been such a small sample size with him. You know, between one game in Dallas and then the handful that we saw last year, we've, we've seen some flashes. He, he's made some plays, and he's got some of the physical tools as well to maybe be able to develop into something. But I, I don't think I've seen enough yet to be able to say one way or another whether he would be able to be a starter, you know, sometime down the line. Certainly, I don't think we've seen enough to be confident and say, you know what, 2020, let's move on from Prince and put Kevin Tolliver in there. No, I'm, I'm not, not anywhere close to comfortable with that, but definitely a player worth keeping around, worth developing, and can step in and fill in, in in these types of moments. And if he can keep playing well on special teams, he'll keep having some roles on this Bears team. And all things considered, that's pretty good for a, an undrafted free agent. Let's wrap up quickly with a text message we got in from the 312 area code, putting them in Chicago. But we don't have a name attached to it. But they asked, Lauren, how concerned are you about the Bears' weapons heading into this Packers game? Looking at the injury report, Taylor Gabriel and Javon Wims haven't been able to practice this week, and Cordero Patterson just popped up on Thursday. Are the Bears going to have enough bodies to attack Green Bay's defense? It's a good question, and part of it, unfortunately, it's a little bit too early to tell what's going to happen with Cordero Patterson because he wasn't on the injury report on Wednesday, but he's listed with a head injury and was limited on Thursday. And as of the time of this podcast recording, we don't really have much of an update yet on what's going on with Cordero Patterson because Matt Nagy always talks to the media right before practice and doesn't really give away what's going to happen during practice. So we don't know what Patterson's deal is, but it's looking like Gabriel will likely miss this game and Javon Wims will likely miss this game, which if you're starting to look at bodies at the wide receiver position, that kind of leaves you with Robinson, Miller, and then Ridley and Patterson if if Patterson is able to go. And then with Bronecker also looking like he's going to miss the game, you're, you're down to your, your four tight ends, three or four wide receivers, and then your three running backs. And that's not a lot of options as far as rotating guys and getting different matchups in there. And one of the things I'm slight, I don't know if slightly concerned is the right phrase, but I'm interested to see if Matt Nagy goes back to a strategy he hasn't used since week one, and that was playing Tariq Cohen full-time at wide receiver. It was a strategy I think we were kind of critical of at the time, feeling like, and I still don't feel like that's the best utilization of Tariq Cohen in terms of 
getting mismatches against linebackers. When, when he's a wide receiver, they're going to play cornerbacks on him, and that's not really taking full advantage of his skill set. But in this case, maybe you do have to go to that a little bit more just because you might not have enough healthy bodies at wide receiver. I still wouldn't expect Riley Ridley to be like a major factor. I wouldn't put him on your fantasy team or anything like that. I think he's still kind of learning the offense, and they're they're limiting what all they're comfortable asking him to do in this offense, but it does mean more opportunities for Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller and more opportunities to get these tight ends involved against a Green Bay defense that we've talked about this week being pretty poor against tight ends. So I would look for Jesper Horstead to maybe even end up playing a bit more slot receiver in addition to his tight end looks and maybe David Montgomery lining up at receiver a little bit more and just finding different ways to get different bodies on the field at different positions to throw different things at this Packers defense and hopefully make it a little bit easier on Mitchell Trubisky. But anytime you're missing some of your top receivers, that's never a good thing for a young quarterback trying to sustain some of his success. And I'm going to be keeping a close eye on how the Friday injury report comes out and and whether or not any of these guys have any chance of playing in the game. It's going to be fun to watch either way. I'm excited for Sunday. I hope you are too. I hope the Lockdown Bears podcast has helped you get through your week. And I hope you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. We'll be back on Monday to break down whatever happens in the key divisional matchup. Whether the playoff hopes are alive or not, Lockdown Bears will be here for you for the rest of the season. Maybe the playoffs, and at the very least, the offseason and beyond. So I hope you'll keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears and go into the weekend ready to bear down.